Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Luke 2, beginning at verse 8. And there were shepherds out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning that which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. exactly sure what time of the day Jesus was born. Christmas cards show it like early in the morning. Um, hard to say. But once the baby was born and Mary and Joseph wrapped the baby in the cloths, the swaddling clothes, put him in the manger, which is a feeding trough, I'm guessing they were just, oh, what a Exhausted. day. Travel all that way and now have a baby. I bet as a dad, Joseph felt guilty. Is this all I can do for my wife? But then the events aren't over. They get visitors. And the first visitors for this newborn king are shepherds. Not exactly the type of visitors you'd expect, especially for a king. No. You know, Pastor Dave, I love uh, English history. Yeah. And uh, so when 
Edward VI, who is the son of Henry VIII, was born. Oh, there was such celebration. A son, a son was born. And almost immediately after the baby was born, they he was christened, just a few mm-hmm. days. That's and, baptism. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here were all these nobles, and they were dressed in silks and satins and velvets and all the jewels you could imagine. Not only that, but they were lined up to give the baby gold and jewel-encrusted cups and rattles of, of precious stones and materials. That's the type of thing we think of when we think of a king being born. Yeah. Here we have, though, shepherds. Quite the opposite of royalty. Very opposite. Probably stinky, as they just came from the field. Uh, very, very simple clothing of animal skins, maybe. Torn, dirty. Mm-hmm. They also were considered by the Levitical law as at various times of their occupation, as unclean. Oh, really? Which means they weren't uh, suited to go into uh, the temple area. Plus, as you also noted, not only are they unclean... They uh, broke the Sabbath. Yeah, they had to work. Kind of like police officers or firefighters or, as I had last week, a paratransit driver who have to work even on what we might consider a holy day, a holiday. So the shepherds worked, but they took time off because the angels came and said, a king is born. And just as you were talking about, we don't know what time of day it was that Jesus was born, we also don't know what time of year it was. I mean, Christmas cards as you were talking about, show it at night, and they also show pretty snowflakes falling over the little town of Bethlehem in the stable. But there is a good chance that Jesus was not born in the winter, isn't there? Yeah, we really just aren't sure. It does say the shepherds were out in their fields by night. We do know from many sources that during lambing season, which is in spring, they certainly are in the field. But some other sources do talk about the shepherds being out in the fields also at night. Although, usually, unless it's a particular situation, they go into the the sheepfold or the sheep pens, which John chapter 10 talks about and Jesus uses as an example. But there are many times that shepherds keep their flocks in the fields by night.
The Visit of the Magi, Matthew 2, beginning at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of Herod the king, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. It came upon a midnight clear That glorious song of old From angels bending near the earth To touch their harps of gold So, Pastor Dave, as you've just heard that reading, and I'm sure you've heard it before, what strikes you about it today? Anything in particular? Yeah, usually I think of the wise man and the gifts, but this time, today as you read it, it was Herod who all of a sudden pricked my oh, interest. Oh, really? Yeah. Here's the guy, I mean, the wise men come to Jerusalem, they have a promise of a, of a king from, from history, we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, Pastor Dave, we've got to point something out. Uh-huh. Every time that there's a new baby in the house, uh-huh. and, and relatives or people come over, uh-huh. do they say hello to the parents first, or whatever? No. What do they say? Where's the baby? Yeah, that's And so true. that's kind of what the, uh, yeah. what the wise men were doing here. And because it was a, a king to be, a baby king, they went to the king. They went to the capital. They went to Jerusalem. Exactly. And Herod went, what? I don't have a baby here. And so he asked them probably a little more. We have this hint because immediately he turned to the priests and said, what prophecy is there? Because this is a religious king of sorts. Mm-hmm. And they came up with the prophecy from uh, Malachi that he'd be born. Micah. M- Micah, thank you. In, in Bethlehem. 
And so uh, Herod pulled him aside and said, find the baby and then let me know so I can worship him too. So here we have a king who doesn't have a baby and who wants to worship him? Right. Uh, that doesn't sound exactly right, does it? Mm-mm. He sounds like the kind of guy who was very insecure, very uh, self-important, and thinking of uh, his own skin first. A conniving, scheming ruler. Exactly. Besides these obvious things about Herod, who is called the Great, do we know anything else, Cecilia? You love history. I do, yes. And I learned that Herod was quite the study in opposites. He reigned for about 35 years in Judea. Uh, he wasn't a full ruler. He didn't have uh, powers over foreign kingdoms. He was reigning under the uh, permission of the Roman emperor. Pretty much was a puppet of the Roman Empire. Pretty much, yeah. yes. And so he did several things. He did a lot of building. Of course, he had to raise taxes to do the building. And who did he get the taxes from? The people, mm -hmm. which the people found very hard. But the building did give employment to the people. At one point, there was a famine, and Herod helped to feed the people out of his own money. On the other hand, he liked to gain favor with other people, so... How do you gain favor? You buy rich gifts. Where do you get the rich gifts? <laughs> Tax the people again. Yeah. Um, he was Jewish, yet he killed members of his own family. He was paranoid, threatened by their, their uh, trying to take the throne. And thus with Jesus even. So this with Jesus wasn't even the first time. Exactly. Okay, go on. Um, and then he observed the Jewish religious ceremonies and such in public, yet he had a golden eagle uh, put at the entrance to the temple, which indicates he was kind of giving a nod to some of the other religions, too. Uh -huh. And uh, he died very, very unpopular and very uh, paranoid and, and self-serving person. It is into this context that the men from the East come. Wise men? Magi? We know that they looked at the stars. Whether this was astronomy or astrology, we're really not sure. The word there in the original language can refer to either. And there are some who are good, and then there are some who use it for bad. Regardless, they saw a star and related that to something that a king is to be born. Putting the best construction on this, with what we can put together, we think that these were good men who looked at the stars for guidance, not in a, an astrological way, but more as an indication. When they received some change in the sky, they then referenced other items. These men... We're not sure if they were from Babylon or Persia. Regardless, the Israelites were taken off into exile 500 years earlier. 
and they carried with them the words of God. One such word was recorded in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. This was the promise the Israelites held to and clung to, that there would be a king who would come. That's the scepter. But not just a king, a mighty king, a powerful one, who would deliver them, and thus the star. More than likely, these magi referenced that and came to Jerusalem to find this new great king in Israel. We've heard the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Well, first, we don't even know if there were kings. Second, we don't know how many there were. One, two, three. Actually, tradition says it might have been 12. All we really know is they came with the understanding or belief that a king was born, and they came to worship him. And so we have our guests, the shepherds the Jewish people, the commoners who came from relatively nearby, and the wise men, the Gentiles, the pagans, the nobles who came from a far distance to worship the newborn king. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, oh, Twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. Stars have always held a fascination for us as humans here on Earth. In fact, we find stars not only in the Christmas story, but on Christmas cards and on top of our Christmas trees. A star, a star... Shining in the night with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite. So when and what might have these this star been that the wise men from the far saw? Well, there are several theories. One is that it could have been an event which took place in 7 and 6 BC. At that time the planets Jupiter and Saturn came into repeated conjunction with one another. They do this every 805 years, and a year later, Mars joins the dance, and it looks like one huge star. This certainly would account for the story of seeing a star, giving time for the wise men to travel, and then they see the star once again. Another possibility is that it could have been a comet, 
the Romans were fascinated with comets, and so were the Chinese. There was a scientist, John Williams, who published a whole list of the appearances of comets. And Williams 52 appeared for 70 days between March and April of the year 5 B.C. Hmm. And then in March and April of the year 4 B.C., his Comet 53 uh, also made an appearance. It was a tailless comet, and many think that it wasn't even a comet, but might have been a nova, an exploding star. Fascinating. Yeah. And there is also the theory that it might be something scientists don't even know about. So... In short, in the grand scheme of things, it's hard to pinpoint the exact year. Yes, it is. The ancients in the Near East had a less exacting view of time than later cultures with their clocks and calendars. And to that end, that's why Paul wrote in Galatians 4.4, at just the right time God sent his son to be born of a woman under the law. There was a great communications network. The Greeks gave one language. The Romans gave religious tolerance, safe roads, and a time of peace. It was the right time. Do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night With a tail as big as a kite with a tail as big as a kite. Peace and long life. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Peace and long life. Um, uh, Peace and long life. Oh, that's right. You are a Trekkie. Of Indeed. course. Of course. Live long and prosper. <laughs> thank you. Well, if we're exchanging greetings, then, Pastor Dave, happy return of the sun. <laughs> and though we don't know what the response would be, but it could be that a Roman would have said, and may the sun shine upon you. Indeed. <laughs> that greeting, happy return of the sun, was something the Romans spoke quite often on the shortest day of the year, for they remembered it, December 21, so that they might once again celebrate the sun coming back again. And so there was a big two-week celebration with a lot of revelry and merriment. Sadly, however, in the first three centuries after Jesus, Christians did not have much revelry and merriment. No, they were often, in fact, used to light up the evening's activities. Literally, as they were covered with pitch and set on fire. So was Nero's uh, parties done with Christians before 70 B.C., excuse me, A.D., shortly after Jesus' uh, birth and resurrection and ascension. And because they had to fear for their lives and were persecuted, Christians used any opportunity they could to gather because they couldn't otherwise. And so under the guise and protection of this time of the winter solstice, Christians got together and celebrated. And so came the celebration of the birth of Jesus fixed to December 25. Romans celebrated 
Sola Invictus, the return of the unconquerable sun. Christians celebrated the coming of the sun of righteousness. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the sun of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he laid his glory by, born that men no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give a second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. In the Eastern Church, wherein we find today Greek Orthodox, Roman Orthodox, it's in the Far East, which separated from the Church of the West, the Roman Catholic. In the Far East, Christmas was celebrated on January 6th. This was the day they held as the day the wise men came and brought gifts to Jesus. What better day to celebrate Jesus than the day that foreigners could come to God thanking Him for what God has done for us. And so the origins of Christmas find themselves in that winter time, beginning at December 25 for 12 days, going to January 6th. And so the song 12 Days of Christmas occurs. And so, as we hear the Christmas story once again, we hear how the guests have arrived for the party. The shepherds, the wise men, bringing gifts. But I often wonder, what do I have to give God that God doesn't already have? He Mm. owns everything. Mm. Indeed, an interesting question. Some people have answered it by saying, well, you can give him your heart. He doesn't have that. Some would say, you can give back to him what you've stolen. Because after we left God, in some ways we've taken things away. Or we might, and others have said, our worship and praise. But in some ways, I almost think we're asking the wrong question when you ask that. Oh? Yeah, rather, could the question better be phrased, what may I give God out of thankfulness for what He has given to me? Explain that a bit more. It's not a Christmas verse, but it's one of the verses that I always keep coming back to especially as someone who has a disability. Romans 12.1, where Paul says, Therefore, and what's the therefore mean? What beforehand? He talked about how we're saved, not by keeping the law, but by the good news of the gospel and how the Holy Spirit's been poured in our hearts. God has done this. Therefore, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, for this is your acceptable Worship. Our lives, our thoughts, our actions, pretty much everything with the focus in on God. Some people don't have very much, especially those who have disabilities. (laughs) There's a lot of people who do have millions, if not billions. 
It doesn't matter. What we're to be offering is of what we have. And some may say, well, I only get my SSI check. Well, what part of that can you offer? That's something you and God should be talking about. And God gladly receives it when he hears you are doing so out of a thankful heart to say thank you. Even if it's just $5 a month? Even if it's just $5 a month. But money is only one aspect of what we got. What about time? What about talents? What about tongues? Sometimes just talking to someone else. There are so many things we have that is wrapped up into offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. And so, the shepherds came. The wise men came. And now, we come. And guests continue to arrive at the party. And the party continues next week. And of course, you are invited. In the meantime, if you want to contact us, you can do so at info info at not-alone not-alone dot net net and don't forget to invite others it's not a party unless we have guests and the more guests the more fun do come back again to room 4216 Credits. The book, The Very First Christmas, A True and Unfamiliar Story, by Paul A. Meyer, Kriegel Publications, Copyright 2012. Angels We Have Heard on High, Kitaro, The First Noel, Susie Bagus, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, Ella Fitzgerald, Empire Strikes Back, Imperial March, O Come All Ye Faithful, Take Six, Do You Hear What I Hear, Bing Crosby, Twelve Days of Christmas, Greg Riley.